All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I greatly appreciate everyone's time and support. My name is Sarah Johnson. I work for the USO Transitions team, and I'm very happy to have this presentation today for you guys, kind of a candid conversation about how the transition and what it really looks like. So we're very lucky to partner with ServiceNow. We have Alex and Bob that are here to talk to you guys and have a good conversation with you guys, get that pathway started. Again, I'm Sarah with USO. I have my uh, colleague, Fred Robinson as well on the line is my support team and we're happy to partner with community partners ServiceNow has been a huge support of USO program so we're very very fortunate to partner with them today so thank you Bob and Alex for joining us today really appreciate your time thank you Sarah thank you Fred and thank you to USO for hosting this uh, program I was really excited to be a part of this uh, transitioning from the military into civilian life could be extremely traumatic for people and their whole families. Uh, and when I harken back to when I retired from the Marine Corps in 2001, and, and I reflected on everything that I did during that process and, and the chance to share that with the group that's joined us here today and, uh, and recount my experiences and kind of the lessons learned is, is something that's, that's really great. Uh, I'm joined with, uh, by Alex Beachy from ServiceNow as well, another uh, Marine. So I'm, I'm very happy to have another Marine on the panel. And uh, I'd just like to introduce myself first, and I'll ask uh, Alex to introduce himself, and then we can start into the fireside chat and answer any questions that the attendees have. Does that sound good, Sarah? All right, great. So I'm Bob Osborne. I'm currently the Chief Technology Officer for ServiceNow's Global Governments. And uh, I represent our company to government officials around the world, and I reflect back to the company, the, the needs of those customers. But that's not what I've always done. Uh, I enlisted in the Marine Corps in 1973, uh, following high school in Southern Illinois. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to join the Marine Corps at a time when opportunities were wide open, and, and I progressed through the ranks. Uh, I became a staff sergeant. Uh, well. Let me, let me first say, I only planned on doing four years in the Marine Corps, right? But I found out that it was a pretty good fit for me. Uh, I ended up being a staff sergeant. I applied to warrant officer uh, program, and, and I became a warrant officer in the Marine Corps. And then, then I applied to be a limited duty officer, and I ended up retiring after 27 years as a major uh, limited duty officer. I was involved in, in logistics. Uh, I did um, embarkation. I did personal protective duty, embassy duty. I just had a great career. It was never a job. Um, and, but I knew it had a time limit on it, and I kind of did the Texas two-step. So I live in Texas today. I'm in central Texas. And I did the Texas two-step in my transition. So I, I retired from the Marine Corps in 2001, and I joined the civil service um, in with the Army staff in the Pentagon. Um, my last job in the Marine Corps was all the logistics. I was responsible for programmatics for all the logistics IT systems in the Marine Corps. And uh, I transitioned to be on the Army staff doing that for the Army G4. And I was actually in the Pentagon on 9-11. Uh, so that's another story for another program if you're interested. But uh, in that, I had a 12-year career as an Army civilian and an Air Force civilian. When I left the uh, Army staff, I went to the U.S. Transportation Command as an Air Force senior executive. I earned my degrees part-time while I was on active duty and uh, got my master's degree when I was a civilian in the Army. 
So I often say I did everything the hard and hairy way, right? If there was an easy path, I took the hard path. Uh, not necessarily by design, but that's kind of how it worked out. But I ended my, my military and civilian career in the government as the chief technology, or excuse me, the chief information officer for the National Nuclear Security Administration. So I had eight of the national laboratories I was responsible for, all the technologies. And uh, I was the guy responsible for the uh, nation's nuclear weapons manufacturing and production information. Uh, that was my last federal job. Uh, and then I transitioned again into business life. And, and I joined ServiceNow in 2014, and I've been there ever since, and it's just been a great ride. So I, I look forward to sharing that experience with you in both of those transitions and some of the lessons learned. Um, Alex, over to you. All right. Thanks, Bob. Um, what he didn't say is that he grew the beard, and then they wouldn't <laughs> let him deal with nuclear uh, missiles anymore. <laughs> no, That's part um, of the reason. <laughs> Alex Beachy, I am an account executive for the Navy team on ServiceNow. So I transitioned right into ServiceNow. I was a 15-year uh, service member. So I got my commission through Purdue University, went through ROTC there, and I picked up a flight contract. So I was a helicopter pilot for a while. And in my last four years, I got my, well, I got my master's. They sent me to Monterey, California to get my master's, which was just the worst assignment ever, you know, just having the time of my life as a paid college student, basically. Um, and after that, I went to work for Marine Corps Systems Command and a, a small command out at uh, Camp Pendleton. I normally, I normally live in San Diego. I just happen to be in uh, the Arlington, Virginia area today. But, uh, that was a great command. So I learned a lot about the budget procurement contracts, the back end business of the Marine Corps on that side for my last four years. Um, and the timing was right. I know, and I know Bob and I will talk about this sort of what, what the timing and, and what made the decisions, but yeah, 15 years, I decided to, uh, to depart the pattern, uh, as an aviator and everything else and, and landed on my feet, I will say in service now. And it's been a great ride, and uh, I look forward to talking with you guys more about it today. Alex, thanks, and thanks for your service. Um, and thank you to all of you who are joining us today for, for your service. And uh, this is part of what I feel like, and Alex, I know you, you feel the same way, part of giving back, right, is being able to share with you our experiences and, and maybe give you some, some advice and tips on things to think about as you're making your transition from the uniform services into your next phase of your life. And uh, Alex, the first thing that I'd really want to talk about is, is something you just mentioned, right? Is the timing. How did you know that it was the right time? It was that time to transition. You know, you ended your career a little bit earlier than I did. So I'd be very interested. I hope our viewers would be interested in what was the decision process you went through and, and what was the trigger that told you, yep, it's time for me to go. I'm going to go do something else now. Yeah. I, I, I often laugh about it because when I talk with people like 15 years, people look at me like I'm either crazy or I did something and got kicked out, but neither of them were the case. Um, and really, you know, it's funny. I was actually meeting today with my last boss that I had on the Marine Corps side, a very dear friend of mine today. And when 
I, when I made the decision, I had made the decision years in advance. Um, I think a lot like you, Bob, I had really good opportunities open, open their doors, you know, I, throughout my entire Marine Corps career. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, got to try and new adventures every year or two. And so for me, it was always a lot of fun. Um, what it, you know, at the end of the day though, and the conversation I had with my old boss is there, there's a time and place where we all hang up the uniform. Um, it's gotta be, you know, there's no, I'm, I talk with guys about transition all the time and it's, there's no right formula for it. It's what's right for you at the time. For me personally, um, I left at the top, I'll call it the top of my career. Perhaps I could have gone farther and done more. Um, but I always call it my capital was high. Um, I was engaging with, you know, external organizations. I understood the business side of the Marine Corps. And so from a professional standpoint, I saw a great exit strategy that would allow me to continue to have a really fun and impactful uh, career just on the other side of the fence. But also family wise, like I wasn't keenly interested. I had a I had a dad, love him to death, but he traveled all the time as a kid and he wasn't military. Um, but I wanted to avoid that as much as possible. Although I, mean, <laughs> I say that and I'm in DC today and I've been traveling like the last five weeks, but, uh, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be home as often as I could. And we were stationed in Southern California. My wife was from there. So it was just all the pieces were in place. My next orders were to uh, CD and I out in Quantico. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take a pause, talk with the family about this and see what's kind of right for everybody. And we just collectively, if you have a family, um, that's a key moment in time to really incorporate them into the decision-making process. It's never a, it's never a lone uh, decision when you've got a wife and, and children or a spouse and children. Um, so made the decision and uh, it was, uh, you know, so for me, it was just timing the Swiss cheese lined up to be perfect for me. Um, but that was, uh, it was nothing, you know, nothing short of that. So, um, how about, you, how about for you though, Bob, because on the other side of the house, like I didn't retire, you retired at 27 years and you were also a Mustang, you know, so you had the enlisted experience as well as the officer experience. What, what is it like as a, as a retiree, when do you make that decision? What does it kind of look like for you guys? Yeah. And, you know, I reflected back on this and, and your comments, Alex, are spot on because what I experienced in my career, <clears throat> as I said, I went from enlisted to warrant officer to LDO and I navigated my career on my own. So I made those decisions and made those moves. Uh, basically, I made that decision. My wife, she was along and she supported me in every one of those decisions, but she wasn't in the military. She didn't really understand how all that worked. And she trusted me to make those decisions to continue what was best for my career. However, when it came time to retire, that's, that was a totally different equation. And, and Alex, you hit it right on the head. It became a family decision. And she was much more traumatized by the thought of ending the military life and starting something new because, you know, we'd been married at that time for a significant uh, time period, I think mm, almost 20 years um, together 
in the Marine Corps and in that life. So she's very comfortable there. So we did have a lot of discussions on, you know, what is it going to be like? How is this better? Why, why are we leaving? And making the decision to retire for me as an LDO was basically a numbers game. So I loved the Marine Corps. It was never a job. I would be a Marine today if I would have been allowed to stay. Um, I still consider myself a Marine. And as we were remarking before we started the show, it took me 10 years to be comfortable with growing a beard because, you know, it's just ingrained in you on, on your, uh, how you present yourself. But when we, uh, when it came time to make that decision, there were, there were X number of positions in, in my job field at each rank that you can achieve. And, and the time frame to get to the next uh, step was extending because guys weren't retiring, they were staying in. So I was going to remain a major for a long time. And the opportunity came along. Like I said, Alex, all the, all the planets aligned in this opportunity to be, join the Army as a civilian uh, with a pay increase and a great job in, in a comfortable setting for me because I'd still be working in the military but as a civilian. So that's what I meant earlier by the two-step. I kind of softened my landing by stepping into a very familiar environment uh, in a job that I was uh, very comfortable with. So that also comforted my wife and, and she she became to real she came to realize that that was a good a good decision and we made that together. And I started my civilian career uh, with the Army. But that's kind of how I did the calculus. You know, where was I in my military career? What was my chances for further advancement versus if I go now to this opportunity, man, I could really advance farther and have another career based upon that decision. And that's kind of what drove my decision at that point. Um, Yeah, so definitely if you're married, uh, it becomes a family decision. If you're not married, uh, you can still take that leap on your own and, and assessing your own skills, abilities, the opportunities that you're looking for. And uh, Alex, I, I don't know about you, but I always looked at, and I had some great mentors in the Marine Corps, particularly first Sergeant Richard Vasquez, who became um, Sergeant Major Richard Vasquez, a five-time uh, Purple Heart recipient in, in the uh, Vietnam War, uh, Force Recon dude. Bad little dude, let me tell you. But he always told me, every opportunity you have to present yourself is an interview for the next step of your career. So if I was speaking to a senior enlisted person or to an officer, I always wanted to present myself the very best because you're interviewing for a new job. And that absolutely is true as you transition into civilian life. Everybody you meet in your interactions as you prepare to transition, and it doesn't matter what your MOS is, you're interviewing for a job because people are looking at you and you have a package of skills and abilities that you've learned in the military, leadership, bearing, attention to detail, uh, reliability, timeliness, all those things are priceless in the, um, in the business world or in the civilian world. And uh, you're interviewing for your next job with every meeting that you have. And that could have been more true. And it worked out great for me. Was that your experience as well, Alex? Yeah, I think, you know, kind of looking through some of the preparatory steps. Um, it is one of the biggest things that I can recommend to, to people in the process of transitioning out is really starting to treat every engagement you have as, as to your point, like it, 
it's an opportunity to grow your network. Um, you know, I, I, I remember when I was, I was like nine months away from, uh, getting out. I, so I, I went terminal in July of 2019 and then separated in September. Um, AFCA West was going on down in, in SoCal and I and everybody in my command had gone down there and they were all in uniform. And I, I threw on a, a sport coat and a tie and I went out there and I just had my own my own business cards that I had made. And I just started marketing myself um, because, uh, you know, and I think this is no different than in the Marine Corps. Right. You're always going to be your own biggest champion. And so you have to go and and I don't. I would not have landed where I did today if it wasn't for really great people who supported me. Um, and it's because I built authentic relationships with really good people. Um, and that's been my entire career. That's been my entire life really is just the relationships that you build with people. That's what we center on. So you want to try and do that as much as possible with everybody, because um, a little bit of backstory on my own transition about four months before I was getting out. And, and we'll get into this a little bit more of, of like, how do you assess your value? Cause I want to talk with you about that, Bob, but like I interviewed for a job, I got it and it wasn't with service now. And it was, they created a position for me. I went in kind of understanding what I thought my value was to the organization. And so I, I interviewed for one job knowing that I was trying to get a different one one that didn't exist. And I was lucky enough to do that. Um, but it morphed over time. The job morphed over time to the point where a week before I was supposed to move from Southern California to Atlanta, Georgia, um, take on a new job. I called, I just all of a sudden got a gut feeling. My wife was kind of hesitant about the move and everything else. And I was just like, I called the movers. I'm like, Hey, I'm canceling the move. Uh, I'm going to find a new job. And this was a week before I separated. So I was about to no longer receive a paycheck. And, uh, and so I <laughs> immediately started reaching out to my network and I just happened to call some buddies of mine from ServiceNow, And I'm like, look, am I a good fit for the organization? Uh, would you guys enjoy working with me? And do you have a job opening? <laughs> and so they were luck luckily to, you know, for me, it was yes, yes, and yes. And the, the following week I was on a plane to interview out here. Um, I had some people who, you know, took a risk on me, uh, because I was an unknown, right? 15 years in the military. They don't, they don't know how I'm going to behave. They don't know if I know how to do the job. They just know me and they trusted that because of the relationships I had with them, that they trusted, they knew I could do the job. Um, and so, you know, within, within two weeks of making that phone call, I'd had the interview and I had the job offer in hand. Um, but to your point, none of it, absolutely none of it would have happened without my family and the network of, I built with real relationships. It's not just, you know, it's a lot, you know, I think, People think of like social media and, and LinkedIn, like LinkedIn, I, I, it's like my sole source of social media and I use it all the time. Um, but I really try to create authentic relationships out of it. Um, getting back to you, one of the things I'm curious about is, and, and you talked about, you know, your wife being very into the, into the Marine Corps culture. What are some of the things that you had to prepare for to transition out? But also, what are things that you um, 
that you and your wife collectively had to do to prepare the rest of the family for that transition? Yeah, that's a great question, Alex, because it really is a family. It's a traumatic uh, change of culture for your family uh, because we we moved virtually every year, uh, every year to two years uh, for 27 years. So home was where we were, right? We didn't have a home as in a place. It was us together was the home. And that um, caused a bit of uh, excitement for the kids, but also some trepidation. So uh, having that conversation openly and honestly and and about our um, concerns about the transition. However, one thing that we always uh, managed to uh, convey to the family was you know, things weren't going to change with us, right? We were, we were going to be together and we were going through to this next stage and it was going to be great. And it turned out that way. Um, but but to, to your point, one thing that I wanted to address that you mentioned that I thought was really key about relationships and networking, um, nothing could be more critical. So not only presenting yourself as, in every meeting as a potential interview, it's, it's knowing people, getting to know people, letting them know your authentic self. In the military, we tend to guard ourselves, right? We present ourselves very officially and very <clears throat> somewhat uh, rigidly. Um, and I'm, I'm very fortunate having a background in the Marine Corps. Um, I mean, we're a bunch of jokesters, right? I mean, we enjoy uh, the camaraderie of the Marine Corps. We enjoy giving each other a hard time. So it's very easy for me to relax and just be myself. And, and I'm a very positive, jovial person. And, and I think that comes across in most of my interactions. So what I found was pe- people would open up to me and, and I, I created relationships fairly easily. But expanding on that into the business realm is a different thing, right? Because now you're having a professional relationship and you have to uh, be able to convey that you are the type of person that, that people are looking for in their team with the chemistry of the organization that you're, that you're joining. And, and in Alex's case, that that's key. And when I do interviews for people joining the service now, my main criteria is a chemistry. Um, Hey, you know, you're smart or I wouldn't be talking to you. Uh, You've already got the chops. You've got a background of professional uh, success or I wouldn't be talking to you. So what are you like, you know, and, and here's a little inside baseball in case you ever end up on the other side of the table from me for an interview. My favorite gut question to really open up somebody is to ask them, what's their favorite movie? It, it stops them in their tracks, right? They go, Holy cow. I never expected that question in, in an interview, but it breaks down that barrier and gives you an insight into the person. And that's really what people are looking for is to interact personally to have a great exchange and to be able to have someone who can join the culture, assimilate into that culture and and then participate in helping the organization achieve its goals uh, moving forward. Um, And and that's something that every military person really, really has in spades. Um, When you talk about mentorship and, and your circle of trust too, I, I have to give a shout out since I know we have a lot of army folks on the call today you know, General Charlie Fletcher uh, from Transportation Corps, Mr. Bill Neal from the Army G4 were my mentors when I made the transition. And uh, great Americans, great people uh, who really took me under their wing and taught 
me what it was like to be an Army civilian. Similarly, when I went out to U.S. Transportation Command, there was a core of people who really uh, educated me on what it was like to be a senior executive in the civilian service, uh, which was a big deal, a big, another big change, you know, in, in our relationship. And then when I joined service now, I got this whole team of guys and, and ladies, people who really taught me the business side of things. Right. So it's all about people, Alex. I think it's about the interaction and it's about how you present yourself as your authentic self, because that's what really gets people to bring you into the team and gets you that opportunity. Um, if, if you would agree with that, I, I think those are some pretty key things. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, how did you, what was the transition for you to go into like, I'll use ServiceNow specifically, but in general, just technology, right? Because it's a different, uh, yeah. it, it's a big leap for a lot of people to to make from going to, I'm a warfighter to now I'm in some way just related to technology. How, what made the decision for you and, and how did that look? Yeah, that, that's, that's a great question. I, I know that a lot of folks who are on the call here are, uh, they've had specialties that they've focused on their whole time. You were a pilot and all that. And, and I think that really grounds you with your basic military skills and abilities um, and then having that technical um, expertise in, in some area. I have the craziest career of anybody I've ever heard of. And I'm going to give you a little bit of it just so all of y'all who are on the call know it doesn't matter what your MOS is. You can do whatever you want to do with the drive, the motivation, and perseverance that you have inside of you that's made you successful in the military. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna use myself as an example. So I'm, a, I'm an average guy from Southern Illinois, right? And the choices where you're gonna go to work in a coal mine, you're gonna go to work in construction, or you're gonna go to military, because back in the day when, when I was there, there weren't any programs for guys like me who were average dudes to get scholarships to go to college. So college, and, and that wasn't on the financial table for my family. That wasn't an option for me. So I joined the Marine Corps. I've got a family history of Marines. And like I said, I wanted to do four years and be a sergeant like my dad was. That was my motivation. Found out that it was a good fit. I started out as an airborne radio operator and loadmaster in C-130 aircraft because I, they found out that I had a real aptitude for Morse code. And back then, we actually did manual Morse code on the airplanes flying over the Pacific or the Atlantic because didn't have satellites back then. No comments about how old I am, all right? Just set that <laughs> aside and go with it, okay? So airborne radar operator, loadmaster, went off, and I, and I uh, went to embassy duty school, uh, finished number two. I got a great job at the embassy in Tokyo. And... Uh, Found out that, you know, hey, I got a little bit of G2 also, and you build yourself confidence. You find out that, hey, you know, you're, you're not a rock. You know, you can compete with other folks, right? You, you start to have self-realization of what your abilities are. Uh, so I started taking classes, you know, uh, through the education program offered at all, all military bases. And I ended up getting my bachelor's uh, first got an associate degree, then a bachelor's degree. And I worked my way up, as I said, to be a, to be a staff sergeant. However, um, I switched MOSs because I got married and my wife was, was like, dude, you're gone three weeks out of the month. I'm not signing up for this program. This isn't going to work. So I changed my MOS from being a, a, a 
airborne radio operator loadmaster in C-130s to field artillery. That's right. I heard the gasp. I heard the gasp across the room. That's right. Combat arms uh, when I re-enlisted. And uh, I became a guns platoon sergeant, had to learn all about artillery, all about combat arms, how about the scheme maneuver of, of tactics and all that. Couldn't have been a better education for me in leadership. Uh, it's where I met first Sergeant Vasquez. And, and, I, <clears throat> and I progressed from there, and I went on to uh, apply for warrant officers. Well, wait a minute. I was selected to be the bodyguard for the chief of naval operations. Back to my story of every job is an interview, right? When, when I was on embassy duty, um, that was training me. I didn't know that at the time to be selected to be one of the two bodyguards for the chief of naval operations the four-star admiral in charge of the Navy. There's a Marine and a Navy guy who guard him and drive him around D.C. And I was selected from the entire Marine Corps to be one of those two dudes. And uh, so I ran around in D.C. in civilian clothing and did all that cool personal protective stuff because that was preparing me for later on, right? Apply for warrant officer. Didn't hurt that the chief of naval operations and the commandant of the Marine Corps were, you know, signing off on my package for warrant officer. I get it, but I did okay there too. And I became an LDO, right, in, in logistics, where I started to learn how uh, computer programs were developed to support logistics, uh, loading of ships and moving of transportation supplies around the world globally. Well, I didn't realize it at the time, but that was preparing me for my job in the Army with the G4, where I was working on the logistics system side of that, which prepared me to be the deputy CIO at Transcom, which moves all of our stuff all around the world and support contingency operations, which prepared me to be the CIO of the National Nuclear Security Administration, which set me up for this great job with this civilian company when I retired from government service. So you view everything as a stepping stone that's preparing you for the next step. And Alex, that was a long answer to your question, but I wanted to cover that because I think it's really important for folks to realize Regardless of your MOS, regardless of what you've done with your time and service, it is super valuable in preparing you for the next opportunity that's going to present itself where you'll succeed if you just apply that same drive, discipline, motivation, and perseverance that you had in the military. Thank you so much for your candor. Appreciate your support of our service members. Look forward to catching up with you guys soon. I hope everyone has a wonderful afternoon.